Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Come on, all through this place, I just want us to bow our heads and just focus. His presence is everything. Doesn't matter how many times you turn up, doesn't matter what we build, doesn't matter where we go. If the presence of God is not there, what does it matter? Doesn't matter how many times we come to church, doesn't matter how long we do it for, if the presence of God is not here, what's the point? You know, in His presence, everything changes. When you say your presence is heaven to me, all my days on earth, I will await. As you stand there in His presence, is it everything? While you're at home, is His presence everything? Those online, as you stand in your living room, as you stand and your hands held high, is your presence everything? Do you just want to be more in where He is? Do you want who He is? Do you want what He's got? Do you recognize that where you are, whether you're in this room or whether you're at home right now, do you recognize that the presence of God is everything? And it's in His presence where everything else doesn't matter. The pain is irrelevant. The past is irrelevant. The things that we're fighting, the things we're struggling with, they they disappear into nothingness when we're in the presence of the Almighty. When we stand in the presence of He who's able to speak a word and change everything. And as we stand here this evening, there's something powerful about declaring His goodness. There's something powerful about prayer. There's something powerful about joining together, whether you're here, whether you're online. It doesn't matter what it is. When we come together and we lift up the name of Jesus, He draws all men unto Him. I wonder sometimes why it's so hard to draw near to him, especially in an environment of worship. We are here and we should be able to push near to him. Push away from those worries, push away from that fear, push away from the uncertainty and just push near to him. God hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. and He desires to have a relationship with you. We want Him. Amen. Father, I pray every person in this room this evening, every person who's joining online this evening, I pray that you would meet them where they are right now. Give them fresh revelation, fresh understanding, those areas of their life that feel dry, that there would be a refreshing would come right now. That space where they feel worried, uncertain, You would bring certainty. Have your way in every person's life here this evening. We surrender to you. We just lay it all at your feet this evening. Lay it at his feet. Come on, there's someone in the room. You're carrying a heaviness. It's like this. It feels like we talk about a burden, but really this heaviness. There's something. It feels like it's weighing you down. You have a choice. In the presence of God, you can leave the presence of God and take it with you, or you can leave it in the presence of God. You leave it at His feet and you say, God, I'm exchanging 
that ash for beauty. I'm exchanging that dead for life. I'm exchanging that hurt for joy. I'm exchanging it. I'm taking hold of what belongs to me. The plan was never that we carry pain, that we carry the hurt, that we carry that disappointment. That is not the that is not the purpose of God. And as you stand here, just release that to him and say, God, I'm giving it to you and I'm going to take hold of all that you have for me. We give you all the praise and all the honor in this place. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen, amen, amen. Hey, would you spin around and just greet everyone around you? Make them feel so welcome, so good to be with you all. Those that are joining online, as everyone's greeting themselves here, I'll take a moment and just greet you. So good to be with you. Thanks for being patient. Every week we're taking steps forward. Uh, We are making progress with all things that is streaming. Uh, And we just want to thank you for being with us. You guys are family. We love you. And uh, we're excited to see you in the room. But if you're joining us online, uh, we're believing that God's going to do the same thing in your life as what he's about to do in this place. So God bless you as you join us. It's going to be a great time. Who's glad to be in church? You excited? Are you excited more about church or the public holiday tomorrow? No. The hesitation is scary. It's scary. Oh. You don't know? You're not sure which one you want more? Bring on the public holiday, baby. Let's go. As a church, we believe in uh, tithes and offerings, and I just want to speak to that area right now. I want to share a piece of scripture with you quickly. Should people cheat God is the question posed in in Malachi. You think, no, people shouldn't cheat God, yet you have cheated me. And we ask, what, what do you mean? How do, we, how do you cheat God? How do you, how do you shortchange God? And, he's, and he said, uh, when did we ever cheat you? Name a time I've ever cheated you, God. And he says, but you've cheated me of the tithes and of the offerings due to me. I hate verse 9. It says, you're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. There's something that happens when we, when we cheat God. The blessing just stops, it just cuts, it just dries up. And, and I, this is the thing, I, we, we did a Money Matters course. If you didn't do it, I want to I encourage you next year to join the next one. Here, here's the thing about finance. I believe with all my heart, I believe this wholeheartedly. I think if we could give, we would. I don't think anyone sits here and says, I'm looking for ways, actively looking for ways to cheat God, to withhold from him. I don't think there's a person in the room who's like that. But I do think that we've extended ourselves and life has happened so quick and so fast and so hard that we're no longer able sometimes in our own mind to do this. And it's a challenge because when we don't put him first, for whatever reason, he leaves none in there where we can just say, yes, but. He says, when you do that, you bring upon yourself the curse and that blessing stops. And I believe that God is going to raise up a generation who is going to move away from this world of debt and get themselves back into a position where we can honor God, where we can see a need and meet it, where we can understand that those people are struggling and we have an opportunity. It's not a burden, but a blessing to be able to love people and care for people. I really believe that, that God is going to raise up a generation who says, I'm tired of trying to impress everyone by driving a Ferrari when I'm 18. I'm going to trust God, and I'm still going to get the Ferrari one day, but I'm going to honor God all the way through. 
And I don't think that having great things is a problem. I have a problem when those great things have us. And we need to make a decision. If we want to see a nation changed, we have to make a decision right here, right now, that we are going to end that curse. We're going to break it. And as quick as we can bring it on ourselves, we can break it. When we start to honor him, we start to put him first. And so I want you to pray and say, God, if you're one of those people who you look at your bank account, you think, I am, I'm in so much trouble, it's scary. And I think a lot more people are like that than what they like to admit. Pray. God, I want to put you first. I want to honor you. I want to be a person who is that person who can stand every single week and say, I am the person who puts God first. I want that for my life. Would you give me wisdom? Would you show me? Would you help me? Would you give me creative strategies to get out of this mess and into a position where I can begin to push forward? And I'm telling you, I've, I've had to do this in my own life. There were times where like, it bothered me that I couldn't give, like seriously bothered me, because I really wanted it, but I was in so much trouble. And it's taken me a long time to climb out of that hole, but it is an amazing feeling when you finally get out that hole. And I think we want it. I believe that God's got blessing for us. And I don't want us to be a people of God who are remembered as those who cheated him, but rather a, a generation who decided to stand up and honor him. Amen? Amen? So would you pray that for yourself, for the church, that we would always be a people who honor God? Amen? Amen. Come on, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you quick. I want you to think about your finance. However you give, whether it's online, out the back. Whether you're storing it up for like that big payday where you're just going to kind of dump all of it in, all nine dollars that's coming in hot, baby. Come on, we want to be a people that honor God, amen? Father, I just pray for every person in the room who honors you. I thank you that that blessing is upon their life. I pray for increase over their life. And for those, Lord, that are struggling in this area as I did, who are trying to understand this area as I did, who are not quite of the understanding. They're trying to work out, is this something I should do? Is it something I'm supposed to do? Is it something I even want to do? I really pray that you would give them understanding, vision, that you give them purpose, that you would show them to help them to understand, Lord, that you would remove that guilt and rather replace it with faith to be able to trust you and to see that curse broken in their lives. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, and if you're in agreement, you can say amen. amen. To be able to give as a blessing, amen? Nothing worse than seeing a need and not being able to meet it, right? We never want to be those people. You want to be a kind of person who sees the need and meets the need, right? Like you see me and you think, Andrew always needs coffee. I can meet that need. I can help him. I can give this man coffee, right? I don't need a lot of things, but coffee is one of them, amen? Can you believe next year is coming for us? We're there. Are you ready for it? So this is the last time. So, so we officially launch into year two next Sunday. Right? How cool is that? Like we all survived it. We made it for one year. We made it. Right? None of us killed anyone that I'm aware of. Right? And I think that's, that is an accomplishment. And uh, so this is basic. We're going to pass a Daryl preaching next weekend. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about that. Make sure you invite everyone because he's awesome. Amen? Yeah. Amen? It is working, though, the mic, yeah? People are on holiday. And then some are also away, which is interesting. But just, you need to turn up, yes? So we're talking about 
uh, we're on this, on this road of discovery and, and this journey to look at what it's like to go from the pit to the palace, from the pit to the palace. And I believe that God's got a, a dream for every single one of us. There is something that God has determined that is possible for us to achieve, a dream that we have, something that he's placed on the inside of us, a destiny or a destination in mind, something that where we're going to end up and we need to be ready for where we're going to end up. We've got this destiny thing out there somewhere, destiny we don't really think about, but destiny is, is really the destination God has in mind. We're on, we're on earth, we're in this earth suit and we're here for a while, and while we're here, we need to achieve something. What are we going to achieve? How are we going to achieve it? And what we think is going to happen is that we're just going to wake up one morning and magically arrive. And then when we arrive, we'll be somehow magically ready for what's in store for us. And that doesn't, that, that's not how it works. If you know Kurt, he's been studying for 212 years now, right? He's doing his PhD in something that none of us, including him, can pronounce, right? He's got an equation which takes so long to calculate that even computers are struggling. And when you see what he's actually trying to achieve, you're thinking to yourself, what is taking so long? Like, get a move on. But what he's doing today, he's only getting ready for today. He's learning today. He's discovering today. He's trying today because he's trying to achieve something. Now, he was always able always capable of what he's doing right now. But when he was four, if you gave him this equation to solve, he wouldn't be able to do it. But I would argue he can. He just needed time to learn certain things, try certain things, discover certain things. There is a journey that you must go on to get ready for that destination. Do you have a dream to run a business? Yes. And if I gave you the business today, would you be able to do it? Probably not. Because you haven't done any training to get there. Amen? So the destiny, part of the destiny for you is a journey of discovery and learning and development. And there are tests and there are trials that you're going to face along the way. I don't like it either, but it's part of how it works. Amen? So God has something for us to accomplish. Uh, maybe you think to yourself, I know exactly what it is. I know. God's shown me. I've had this clear picture. You have great challenges ahead of you. If that's you, maybe you're in the room, you think, man, I wish I knew. I don't know. I have no idea. That doesn't mean that you can't prepare yourself in many areas because a lot of this has got to do with your character, not your comfort. It's your character. Are you ready for what God has for you? Or are you so immature that no matter what he gives you, you'd mess it up? That's why in the area of finance, we have to be faithful with little so that we can be faithful with much. Otherwise, God would just give you much. But if he gave you much, you'd stuff everything up, right? We know this because you're messing up the little that you got. And you think, but if you give me more, I'll, I'll nail it. No, I've given you a lot and you keep nailing it the wrong way though, right? Does it make sense? So week one, we spoke about pride. Look at me. God gives me a dream. It's awesome. You remember that dream? I just I woke up one morning. I remembered we were standing there, and then you all started bowing to me. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, God just had this plan, and He gave me this dream. And He, as as you gathered, He just He He made me stand up tall. And then you guys, it was just this amazing thing in the dream. And then you were all around me, and then you started bowing. And um, 
and, and so I know like you're my stepbrothers and you don't really like me that much, but I think this could kind of fix some of that if you realize that I am actually awesome and that what you really need to do is bow down to me because um, God really wants to raise me up and he wants to show you who I am and then he just wants you to take a knee and bow. Remember that? And he, and he can't understand why he ends up in a pit or why his brothers want to kill him. Look at me because I'm awesome. Right? And that's the, that's the challenge with the thing that God gives you, the dream that he gives you, the, the destination. If God shows you a glimpse of what's possible, suddenly you start walking with a spring. You say, uh, because I'm awesome. And that, that pride is what's going to end you up in a hole. Because it was never about you. It was never about you. I'm going to show that to you at the end. Right? Week two, we said he was in the prison. Man, I got through the pride and then I get locked up. I'm the one who gets trapped. And I did nothing wrong. Miss Potiphar thought I was cute, not the other way around. She was like, hey, boy, come here. Uh-uh. I said, no. Do you remember? I said, no, Miss Potiphar, no. No. No means no, Miss Potiphar. Miss Potiphar was like, no means maybe. And then he ends up in prison. And that's unfair. And some of what you're going through is unfair. Why should that happen to me? I did nothing wrong. I did nothing to deserve this. I've worked so hard to get out of this hole. And now suddenly that happens. Why? What, what, what did I do to deserve this? It's unfair. Right? And so if it's me, I've got two middle fingers, which I would be showing everyone. I'd be mad. I'd be proper mad. But he doesn't. He finds a way to serve and he makes everyone around him look like a rock star. And there's something cool about that. To be able to support and to serve and to care and to love, even when no one's looking at you, when you don't get the glory, they look like rock stars. I'm cleaning the toilet, you look awesome. I'm carrying your bag, you look awesome. I'm packing chairs, you look awesome. I'm serving my boss, he looks awesome. I'm treating my clients with respect, my boss looks great. I'm bringing in the money, he's the one who gets rich. I'm the, 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 we don't think about it, but it's servanthood. There's, a, there's a, a heart you have to have in an area of servanthood because if you cannot do it at work, you cannot do it at here. If you cannot do it here, you're never going to do it one day when God gives you something. Never. It is impossible to do something great if all you want is the credit. That's pride. Somebody asked me once, do you get paid a lot for what you do because you sell some pretty big kitchens? No, I get paid the same. And I go in with the same enthusiasm, whether it's a $100 job or a $100,000 job. I go in with the same enthusiasm. I go in looking for the solution. How do I help? How do I serve? What do I do? People go, do you earn a lot for that? Maybe in some countries it would consider a lot of money. But it's not about the money. It's about my attitude. The people I'm serving matter. These people have spent a lot of money and they've saved a long time and they've worked a long time. And some of them, the things that they buy off me, it has inheritance attached to it. Somebody died in their family. And when you stop caring about people, you minimize that in somebody's life. It's about the heart condition. If you can't do it when it's, when it's like that, you're never going to do it when God gives you your own. Mm-hmm. You with me? Too many people want the big thing, but they can't be faithful with the little. And that is going to be our challenge in this generation, because we want, 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 want. And we never want to serve. 
I laugh uh, like apprentices. They come along, we take on apprentices, and we want to help them get to a place. So they, part of their work thing is, I come knowing nothing, and then I want to be able to be a cabinet maker, for instance. And we would take them through that process, right? Three years, they go through a journey of discovery, and we teach them, right? The amount of people who cannot make it through day one, actually, believe it or not. Day one. Oh, this is it's tough. Like, but it's hard work. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, that, that's... But if they do make it through month one, they want to know, like, is my money always going to stay like that? Or They make it through three months of probation. This is amazing. If this is you, right, we're going to talk about growing up later. Take notes. And um, after three months, they want an increase. You don't get an increase. The boss gets to decide whether he still wants you, whether you're any good at all. Why do you come and say, can I have an increase? I've been here three months. You know, in the first three years of an apprentice, you lose everything, all your money, because they're not producing anything. You're paying for their future, right? It's kind of like slave labor, in a sense, right? Except the slave is the only one winning. And we've got this mentality that says, but I've been doing it for like two years. I'm better than this. Man, just stick it out. Go through the process, right? We've got more people changing what they're studying in uni now than ever in their lifetime. They cannot just stick anything out. And the challenge to this generation is going to be, can we stick anything out, right? Can we stick anything out? God's called you to this church. And then God changed his mind. Like right after that tithing message, I was just clearly heard from the Lord. He was like, this is not the church for you, Right? Not after he prayed for me, not after, no, no. We hear from God and then God is, we make God to seem like very confused in life. God is just like, he's changing his mind 24 7. All right, go there. Wait, not there, because I, I knew it would be difficult. Andrew, I knew it would be tough. I was joking. You're right, Andrew. Come back. We'll find another easier path for you. Right? If that's the God you serve, right? He, he, you've made an idol of him. You've made a God that suits you and you're wrong. I see his word, his word is his word. He hasn't changed it. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If God is the same yesterday, not the same tomorrow, and tomorrow again, he might just change something. That's not God. Amen? Uh, Well, can you, when serving, can you allow God to build your character? And are you prepared to start small? These are things you have to ask. Can you be faithful in this house before God gives you your own? Can you be faithful in the job you've got before you get a business of your own? Can you? These are things you have to answer. Amen? Luke 16 says this, if you're not faithful with another person's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Do you want to know the crazy part? You're going to see this as through Scripture. Do you know why it's things Because if you can't be faithful with something, you will never be faithful with someone. And God cares more about people than things. But if you can't look after small things, you will never look after people. You will always think somehow you're above it. You'll hear people's issues and you just would not be able to care. Somebody says pray. You'll text praying, but you won't pray. I know this because I used to do it. 
I make a point now. If I, don't, if I say I'm praying, I am. If I don't say it, it's because I cannot and I will get there. But if I tell somebody I'm praying, I don't care where I am, I'll ask, can I use the bathroom? Can I need to get out of this meeting real quick? I go and I pray. Because if you don't do that and be faithful with that, you may never get another person to pray for in your life. You say you're praying, you pray. You say you're going to do something, you do that thing. You shouldn't have to have somebody chase you up. Amen? So why does this matter? Because God came for people, and our mission should be people. That should be our mission. What is the destination that God has in mind for me? Reach as many people as I can, because if I don't reach people, they're going to end up with an eternity without Jesus. Hell will be their destination. And as long as there is breath in my lungs, I should be fighting to make sure that others have the same opportunity I got. That somebody would introduce them to Jesus. The same God who died on the cross for them, for me, is the same God who died for them. And we need to fight for that. I don't know how that's going to play out. That's where you look at your gifting. How, what am I gifted at? How, what am I good at? How can I make a difference? Amen? The problem is this, most people I meet, maybe you're different, but most people I meet, they don't want to come to church because they've met Christians. They think that, I've met Christians, Christians are terrible people, because they've got no character. People make Christianity, they display God as some weirdo, and people look and go, if we're supposed to be more like Jesus and you are like Jesus and you are that weird, then maybe he is that weird too. That and they think that when they walk in the building, they're going to spontaneously combust and just book into flames. Have you met people like that? It's awesome. It's awesome. M's proof that just about anyone can walk into church. It's possible. And not blow up in flames. We're supposed to be of good character. Joseph, like all of us, he faced some tests and they shape his character. They prepare him for the destiny. You know, when you, when you get this dream, he thought, these Muppet brothers of mine are going to bow. Baby, I can't wait for that moment because they hate me and I could think of nothing better than to watch them as I stand up out of my chair. They just bow. That's right. Get down. Nice. A little lower. Lower, mate. Lower. Don't, no, no, no. Don't elevate yourself. Down. That's right. You're doing good. That's right. Come on. Hmm? Now stay down. While you're down, I just want you to think about this. That's what he wanted. If he knew what God had for him, that'd be the least of what he's thinking about. If God showed him the full picture, he'd go and forget those people bowing. So hang on, just go again. No, they're going to bow to you. Forget the bowing. Forget the bowing. Just go again. How on earth is that going to happen? How on earth am I going to get to that place? Have you seen this coat? This thing's colorful, baby. How am I going to get there? I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. How, how am I going to manage something that big? I don't even know how to manage something that big. I don't even know how to manage something small. If he knew. And what we do is we don't know what the destination is. And we focus on this tiny thing now and we cannot get that right. 
We cannot be faithful with what's in front of us, but we think somehow we're going to rule and reign. Mm. And so God gives Pharaoh two dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams. And then Pharaoh looks like a rock star. Story of Joseph's life. Right? And what's interesting to me is that the last time he interpreted somebody's dream, one dude ended up dying. But the other one, he, he managed to get reinstated. But he was right with both of them. Like, bro, I told you you were going to get smashed. And he did. Bro, I told you you were going to get reinstated. And he did. And his reward was another two years in prison. Like, I'm sick and tired of serving people. And every single time they go on and do great things. And I'm the one who gets stuck behind. I'm the last one to be remembered. I'm the last one to ever take a step forward. You keep moving. You keep succeeding. You keep building things. And I'm the one stuck. That's unfair. And I went through this. I used to help people build businesses and get them off the ground. I love startup companies. I love that. And um, there was a stage in my life where I got one off the ground. Man, it tanked so hard. You've never seen anything go down. It went down proper hard. And then I thought, well, no, I'll build another one. I'm watching all these people make some serious money off the advice that I've given them. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I did another one. Boy, oh boy, did it tank hard. Why? Why is theirs working? My idea is better. Theirs sucked, but they, we got it going. My idea was awesome, and it didn't go. If I'd showed you the amount of times things like that have happened to me, and you start questioning God, how do I have wisdom for him, but not for me? How do I have vision for them and not for me? Why are they winning and I'm struggling? We've got to watch out for this. Two years he went back, but he still did the right thing. And then suddenly breakthrough happens. And this is the moment you're looking for as a Christian. Can you push and push and push until breakthrough happens? And so Genesis says this, 41 from 25, Joseph responded, this is Pharaoh explaining the dreams. They've brought Joseph out. He's going, man, you've apparently like helped other people with dreams. Can you help me with mine? And he brings about, Joseph says, uh, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. Pause. Hold up. Awesome. So now God is speaking to the ungodly. I'm doing everything and the Satanist down the road is hearing from God. How long do I have to pray before I hear from God and that dude is hearing from God and she's hearing from... Hey! Bro, you missed me. I'm serving you. I'm loving you. I'm caring for your people. God, give me a glimpse of the future. Oh, you want to help me with their glimpse? Okay. Like at some point you start thinking this is just unfair. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. This is him telling him. The seven thin, scrawny cows came up later. And the seven thin heads of grain uh, withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. So he's unpacking this, this prophetic dream that he's been given. This will happen just as I've uh, described it. God has revealed it to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity. Throughout the land of Egypt, you're going to go through seasons as well. Seasons where you have to navigate. But after, the seven, after there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Imagine that. You make so much money, and then you make so little that you even forget what proper money looked like. 
32, as for having two similar dreams, it means that the events have been decreed by God and, it's gonna, and he will soon make it happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent man. Watch this. Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. You should find somebody super smart who's full of wisdom. This is the guy you need to put in charge. Notice in the beginning, it was how awesome he was. Now, suddenly, you're seeing him humble himself and say, I see the solution. You need to find somebody wise. You need to find somebody who can pull this off. Not, hey, pick me. I'm awesome. Remember, I had these dreams as well, these two dreams, like you, Pharaoh, but what happened? No, you don't see that. My brothers were like bowing and stuff. You don't see that anymore. You see a humility. You see a strength now. Now you're seeing something very different about him. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land, not me, and let them collect one-fifth of the crops during the seven good years, have them gather all the food produced in the good years, um, and he has to gather them and put them into barns, right? Save them for later. Now watch this. 36. That way there'll be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land, otherwise the the, the famine will destroy the land. Once again, serving. Here's the problem you're facing. This is what God is saying. This is what I think the solution is. He is serving. He's finding ways to help. His next position is going to be back to prison. There's no promise of, of, that he's getting out of prison. Do you ever feel like it's like this never-ending story? And then suddenly, something shifts. 37, Joseph's suggestions were well-received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else, watch this, like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God, not so obviously filled with pride, with, with bitterness, with anger, with frustration, a guy who's been locked up and who's done it so tough for so long that he just feels like, you know what, shove it. I don't care. Bring on the famine. I just want to die. Take your dream, put me back in prison, bro. I don't even care about your dream. He says, no, this guy, after all he's been through, the only thing he can see is that he is filled with the Spirit of God. I want that in my life. I want that dude. Bring me this guy. Then Pharaoh said, Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you. When God gives you that picture and you can start finding solutions based on things that you can pull from in your past, wisdom starts to rise. And the Bible says that if any of you lack wisdom, all you have to do is ask. And it will be given to you liberally, lots, heaps of it. You think, man, I have no idea. He's like, I'll help you. You'll be in charge of my court. All my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. Now we've arrived. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I was in a prison cell, man. I was in like a one-by-one prison cell. Now suddenly, the whole land is mine to rule. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for the second in command. I don't know where that guy went. Wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down. Bow is what you do before kings. 
You don't, the command was given, not from him. You don't see him walking around going, bow down, bow down, down a little lower, a little lower, thanks. Suddenly you see him raised up. You see God positioned him for something powerful and he is raised up and everything around him is starting to make sense. 44, and Pharaoh said to him, I'm Pharaoh. No one will lift a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Joseph has worked for so long on his character that suddenly he is ready. He has positioned himself for promotion. And it's amazing what will happen and how far you can go when God wants to promote you to something bigger, to something better. When God wants to take you from where you are to where you need to be. It can happen like this. It can happen in a moment. But what we do is we're quitting in the prison. We're letting frustration boil over. We're letting anger and bitterness take control of our lives. And God is saying, no, if you would just stick it out and stick it out and go through the test and pass it. If you would push through that thing, I'm telling you, on the other side of this is promotion like you've never seen before. The thing that he promised you is possible. It is possible. If he said that it's possible, it is possible. All we need to do is keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let frustration get you. Don't let bitterness get you. Don't get anger get you. You need to go, 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 go. Because right on the brink of that was a moment where he could have in a second gone back to prison. If I reckon if he had said to Pharaoh, I'm pretty wise, though, if, if you're looking for someone. Like, I'm just saying, like, somebody, I'm pretty smart as well. Like, I've got a few things going on. And uh, I've done a, quite a lot, actually. If you look at my CV, my resume will tell you I'm, I'm, I've got, yeah. And uh, also on the bottom, you'll see a vision statement on the bottom that my brothers and everyone are going to bow down as well. Just, there's that sec. Don't miss that. They didn't like it, but I, you should watch that. It's pretty good. And, and I reckon if he did that, Pharaoh would have been like, just move this Muppet along. Because we're trying to prove something to God and to people around us. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. Who are you trying to impress anyway? Most people that you're trying to impress, it doesn't matter what you do, they'll never be impressed. And who cares what they think? There's a lot of people who spend way, 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 way too much time focused on other people. Focus on what God's given you. What are you worried about somebody else for? You sure you want their destiny? Somebody's destiny was to be a prison warden. You sure you want to go there? You want to trade that for the palace? Because you focus on it for long enough, that's what you're going to get. Stop worrying about other people. Amen? Mm. It's important. Promotion. Now, if you're Joseph, in my mind, he would have been tempted to have this resentment. There's got to be that part of you, and you've got to watch this, that there's like a check in your spirit that comes up. Something happens, somebody speaks to you, that relationship, that job opportunity, that same thing comes up, and there's that, like I want to, it's just the last time, ever had that? Like I want to take this promotion, but the last time I took it, not a great call. Like I want this relationship, but the last one didn't, didn't work out so well. I really want to. I really want to save up and buy something. But the last time I bought something that wasn't as new, bought something a little bit older, and then there was a lot of problems. And so maybe it's better to go into debt for this because I've had a bad experience. We don't pray about it. We just decide. And it's a it's a test. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to pray about it? God, this is what's in front of me. I need wisdom. 
and he gives it to you and then you make a great decision. Or you make a really bad decision and then you don't go back and go, you, my man, one job, one job, God, and you stuffed it for me. That's what we do. We make a mistake and then we just go back and blame, 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 blame. Amen? The cupbearer supernaturally, I, can, I get wisdom for him, but not me. Vision for him, not me. A picture of their future, not mine. You can see how like suddenly it'll start to just get to you. If all you do is apply the past experience and not use it to help you forward, then suddenly it starts tripping you up. It just gets you and you've got to be careful. Amen? That's right. So he has character. Here's how you know if you have it. Character, this thing out there that people use. God's interested in your character. Yes, because he's preparing you for something. How do I know if I've got character, if I'm growing in this area? You're able to stop looking at what went wrong and what is going wrong, and you start to see opportunities to help. That's huge. That's huge. If, if my character and what I'm going to do next is based on what's going on in my immediate situation, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. When it's no longer about you, it's about helping people, you know you've got character. No matter what you're going through, when Joseph passed those tests, he got promoted. And you think, yeah, but my life's tough at the moment. Yes, it is a test. And the Bible tells us clearly, he will never give you something you can't overcome. He'll never give you a challenge that you can't overcome. You think this one is huge because there is something huge in mind for you. I think about the exams I used to write. Most of them were just multiple guess. Right? Choose A, B, or C. You remember those ones? If in doubt, go C. Got me through my whole life. Right? If in doubt, go C. When you think about like that, you think back on those tests and what you were writing about, they weren't really all that, right? Like nobody actually cares about a single-celled organism in biology. No one cares. Not even the biologist cares. Not even the teacher cares. Nobody cares unless that is going to be something that you want to achieve in your life. You want to understand that. Somebody like Heinrich. You want to go and go on and change the world and save all the animals in the world? Done. Fine. Right? Why I got to go through that, I don't know. It's just unfair. I don't want to go through that stuff. You think about the test I wrote, it wasn't all that intense. Because you just had to get through it. But you get to uni, suddenly you're sweating. You'll write big exams and you'll write different tests. You want to see what medication exams look like for a nurse, for instance, right? You think like, she's just there and she just took my temperature and I'm just glad I'm not a dog um, the way she takes temperature. I'm just glad about that. I'm glad they got the gun, not that old thing. They pull out, they go... Say, ah, uh, and if you go to the vet, they say, bend, right? Like, I'm glad they're not there, but you want to get to some of those positions, the tests are more difficult. I don't want to write big tests. Great, because I don't want to write big checks for you either. You want to do something significant, and it's going to cost you something. You're going to write a big test, and it's going to be difficult, but the reward is awesome. I've never met somebody like a lawyer. How was your day, man? I just... The thing I hate most is the paycheck. Hate it, you know. Never met a doctor. What was the worst part of your week? Being paid. 
Definitely. You know, when you look at it, it's just, who needs that kind of money? They're like, worst part of the day? Getting there. But once I got there, baby, that's it. Come on. You never hear them go like the tests, the exams, or the things I just have nightmares about. No, they threw that. The reward is there. Engineering. Right? And your profession is the same because you're a professional in it. People don't want to do what you do. That's why you get paid to do it. Amen? You with me? So with the dream comes tests. I believe that God is going to raise up a generation who's willing to pay a price for something, to get somewhere. And we've got to get somewhere. The dream that God has, the destiny that God has for us, I'm telling you is significant. And, and I, don't, I think there is something each one of us does in, as individuals which is going to count. But I'm telling you, collectively, when we pull together and we say, what is the final destination? What is the thing that we need to achieve? When we start to pull together, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. And so Joseph's, uh, his dad eventually dies. Check how cool this is. His dad eventually passes away, and his brothers are like, great, dad's dead. More importantly, though, is the fact that he's probably going to kill us next. Like, he wants his own back. You remember that? You put me in the pit to kill me? <laughs> dad ain't here to save you now. Remember when you were a kid? I'd corner Russell in the room. You can scream, mom, all you like. She ain't in the house, baby. <laughs> Do you remember what you said earlier? Prepare to die. Prepare to die. And Russell was stronger and he fought back. That's not the point of it. That's why he's still alive today. The point is, the point is, is you've got this fear that somebody's going to get their own back, right? I love this. This is what he says to his brothers. Genesis 45 verse 8, he says, So it was God who sent me here, not you. God sent me here. Not you got me here. Now, if it was not for you, I wouldn't be in the pit. And if you knew the things they did in that prison to me. Bro, I'm going to get you back. I had to serve the warden, clean those toilets, help people manage that place. I'm still upset with Miss Potiphar, of course. Of course, I'm upset with Miss Potiphar. That was unfair. I'm ready to kill Miss Potiphar. But he doesn't see the thing that happened to him as the thing that stopped him. He sees the thing that happened to him as the thing that accelerated him forward. God sent me here, not you. No man is going to get you to where you need to be. God is going to get you there. And he is the one who made me the advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor over all of Egypt. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the point of the entire series. Genesis 50 verse 19 says, But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? I'm not God. I can't punish you. I can't give you what you actually deserve. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. And he brought me into a position so that I could save the lives of many people. Everything we're going through, everything you're struggling with, everything you're fighting with, all the doubts, 
all the pain, all the unfair. It shouldn't have been that way. How could, it, how could that happen to me? After all the years in church and then this, after all the times with them and then that, how could people say that? How could people treat me that way? How could that boss just get rid of me like I was nothing? How could that marriage just fall apart? How could that relationship just end? How could I be in so much pain and so much sickness in my body? How come this is happening to me? God is ascending you somewhere and he's allowing certain things so that he can build your character because other people matter. And you gave your life to Jesus. God, use me. I surrender my whole life to you. Take everything. I exchange, I'm going to die to myself. For somebody who's dead, you're very, very alive. You got a lot to say for a dead person. God, use me. That would be comfortable, God. I pray that you would bless me with no challenges. I thank you that the future for me would be where I'd be rich with no bills to pay. And then we find one challenge and it's, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. How could this happen? God goes, man, you couldn't be faithful with the dream. Forget about the actual destination. When are we going to snap out of it and realize that this was about you until you gave your life to Jesus? Now it's about everyone other than you. All of these people sitting outside here, everybody in Beldavis, everybody in Rockingham, they need to meet Jesus. They need to have an understanding that he died on the cross for them. They must come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They must get into an environment where there is faith, not this junk that is happening. They must rise up from where they are. They must achieve the plan that God has for them and the church. Church is asleep, and we have pastors out there who are talking junk. And if you're watching, shut up. Do what you're called to do. Stop worrying about what I'm called to do. We'll meet in heaven one day. Until then, get on with what you're doing. Stop worrying about everyone else. Stop worrying. Get a move on. There are people going to hell while we sit back and complain and focus on the wrong thing and worry about what they're doing and fix our eyes on what she's up to. Forget that. We're supposed to die to ourselves and rise as children of God. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And instead of blaming the past, we step up and we say, God, you've sent me here. There is a plan and a reason that I'm still breathing. And if I'm breathing today, I've got something I can achieve for you. Your neighbor is not the benchmark. Kurt is not the benchmark of how we have to study. He's just somebody who's studying. We don't have to, I don't like math. Nobody asked you, Andrew. I think what you're doing is stupid. Still never asked. You could spend your time on other things way better. Andrew, bro, do what you need to do. Worry less about what I'm doing. And until we get that on the inside of us, we're going to go nowhere fast. You think, but I'm struggling. I know. You want to trade places? I do, but I want the palace. I don't want Miss Potiphar. She's a cow. I don't want her. I, want, I just want the palace, baby. I was built to be in a hammock, being fanned with a palm leaf and fed grapes. That's what I'm born for. Come on. That's what I'm built for. I'm good at that. I don't want to have to do anything other than that. We've got this kind of this sick idea of how things are supposed to happen. How, we've got this warped idea about what church is. The modern church is messed up. 
It's not about, this is not about how many people are in the room. It's about the people that are in the room. It's about realizing that we have an opportunity to love each other and care for each other in such a way that the world out there looks and goes, there's something different about these people. I want your boss to go, I want somebody in charge who is so obviously filled with the Spirit of God, who is wise, who understands things. Not, I don't want to go to church because the person in my sales team, weirdo. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of meeting people who have met a Christian and they turned off God. They're supposed to meet us and want Jesus. You're supposed to want to come to church. You're supposed to want to win those people. You're supposed to die to ourselves. And when we leave the four walls here, we go out and we encourage people. And we don't live like them and talk like them and behave like them. You are not called to do that. You're not called to behave like them. They're acting, like, they're acting that way for a reason. You acted like that too. I didn't, but you probably did. Mm -hmm. Come on, God's got something amazing for us, right? Without people receiving Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, what is their future? And does it even bother us anymore? Some people are so glad that they're going to heaven that they forgot about the rest of everyone else. What about everyone else? You're sitting here, you're like, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a plan for me. That's awesome. And there's a future for me. That's great. What, what about them? What about everyone else? When do we just snap out of it? When do we realize that we have an opportunity? And his opportunity was great. You intended it for harm. God intended it for good. He brought me to this position. Not so that you could bow to me. Check out how awesome I am. See how big the church is that I grew? Check out my bank balance. I've got the number, number two Ferrari out there. The one that's not his. The shinier one, the newer one. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You'll notice when we walk out, people have to kneel. Because I'm great. You'll just see it. Like You'll just hear They'll just declare it as we leave. You watch. Watch as we go out. you just hear them say, bow. People just bow to me. Because that's the dream God gave me. Can you imagine? Like, it's, it's gross. It's funny, but it's gross. If he was behaving like that, that doesn't look like somebody who the, carries the Spirit of God. This is about other people. We have an opportunity. You have an opportunity now where you are in your workplace, in your school, your uni, everywhere you go, to make a difference and to watch people's lives get saved. Amen? Come on, bow your heads quick. We're going to pray. If you're home in your living room, I just want you to take a moment. I want you to bow your heads. Don't get distracted. And as you bow your heads, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions for you. Don't shout out your answer. But I want you to think about this. Are you working toward your promotion? Are you working toward it? Are you working, are you learning and growing and developing into a way that that you would see the promotion that God has for you? Are you allowing God and perhaps even the leaders and the, the friends that you have around you to impart into you, help you develop? Are you looking for opportunities here and outside of here 
to help, to make a difference. Are you growing up? Are you pushing forward? Are you focused on the future, not your past? Have you stopped blaming others? Are you prepared to trust him even when it doesn't make sense? I don't understand, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna put my faith in, in Jesus now. If you are, if you're growing and learning and developing, I feel like I'm going from one test to another, one trial to another, one struggle to another. Can I suggest that just maybe God is preparing you for promotion? Maybe there is a palace or a destination, and this was not his final thing that he did. But that was where he could really start to function in all that God had called him to do. Time to function. And then as you sit there, I want you to imagine for a moment, even if you're at home, imagine for a moment what the church could look like if we all decided to grow up and to discover and to take hold of the future that he has for us. If we were to be faithful with what we got so that he can give us more. Be faithful with the things that we have so that the people he's sending will be secure, will be helped, will be loved, will be cherished, that we would pour into them that we would care for them. Just imagine how awesome church could be. So Father, I pray for every person in the room right now. All those that are sitting at home right now, I pray for them. As they're sitting in their lounge room, as they're sitting in their study, wherever it is that they placed, that your presence would saturate that place. That right here in this room, your presence would saturate every single person. That there would be a knowing that there is more. And an understanding that the past must be let go of to take hold of the future that you have for them. There's no place in the palace for your hurt. There's no place for your pain. There's no place. We need the wisdom of God. We need somebody spirit-filled to function. And for some of you, you're going to have to let go of the hurt. I know somebody hurt you. I know that a church hurt you. I know that people have let you down. I know that your boss was unkind. I know that somebody at school said something and it just cut to the core. I know that your, your relationship is on the rocks and it's a struggle. But would you just believe, God, that more is possible than your current situation? Would you believe, God, that I may not understand the pain that's in my body, but I'm going to believe that He's able to heal?
Would you not let it inhibit you or stop you from praying for somebody else? Don't let your pain and your situation and your current state stop you from becoming all that God's called you to be. Because he's working on your character. God, I pray that you would really change us into people of such character for your glory. That the world would look at us and say, these people, they carry the spirit of God. There is something different about these people. I meet them, I want to go to church. I meet them, I want to serve God. I meet them, I want to help people. I meet them, I want to believe that there is more for my life too. I meet them and there's something so tangible about their life. As you're in this place, you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. While no one's looking around, that's you. You're at home. You're not where you should be. And it's time to make a decision to come back. While no one's looking around. I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm not calling anyone forward. I am going to ask you to respond and say, include me in that prayer in a moment. If you're at home, I want you to email us. Next steps at linkthechurch.org. I want you to email us. Why? Because we want to help people take that next step in their journey. We want to do life with people, not make a decision and walk out the door, but understand what it is I'm doing. I want to come to the fullness of what Christ has for me. If you're in this room, you need to make right with Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand and say, include me in that prayer. I see your hand. Anyone else here this evening? You're not where you should be. Time to make a decision. No one's looking around. I see your hand. Great decision. I see your hand. Great decision. Mm, It's good. Come on. It's what I'm talking about. Tonight is a, a turning point for you guys. A line in the sand that you cross over, promoted into the, into the kingdom of God. The enemy wants to try to take that from you, but God is going to finish what he starts in your life. Father, I just pray for every person who's made that decision right now. A new start and a fresh beginning, whether they're at home, whether here in the room, that it would be a moment that they'd be able to mark on a calendar and say that was the day that everything changed, where heaven became my home. Bless them now, we pray, in Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen. How exciting when people give their life to Jesus. That's what it's about. That's the starting point. Amen? You ready for some tea? I've got a couple of things I want to announce quickly. I'm going to get Heinrich up in a moment. Don't forget, Saturday we've got, um, uh, we've got a celebration happening. On your chair is an invite. If you haven't got it, make sure you're there. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be lots of food. Bring friends, bring family, bring neighbors, bring whoever you want to bring. Amen? It's going to be cool. Um, Pastor D, of course, he's preaching next Sunday, so let's, uh, let's love on him heaps. It's going to be awesome. Yes? Um, and then Josh, come here quickly. Kurt, come with him. Come join me up here. Uh, This mighty man is making a transition. He's going to go back to Sound City Church, right? He's going to go spend some more time with his lovely lady, Ali. Huh? Yeah. And um, so tonight's his last night with us. He's always going to be coming back and, and joining us, but he's going to be heading back. 
And uh, I just wanted to take a moment. You know, in church, we make moving things like this such a negative. We make it such a negative, and it's not. This guy was one of those who paid the price early, who said, yes, I will help you get this church off the ground. Uh, I know you've been a great support. Kurt's mentioned it many times, and um, we honor you. Thank you, for, thank you for the year. Thank you for being honorable. Thank you for doing what you said you would do, uh, for standing your ground, for pushing forward. Thank you for hearing from God. That means the world to me. And as you move from this place, I believe that it's a promotion. I believe that God's going to take you further than you ever dreamed possible. There's a, a call on your life, my friend, which you know. And I want to challenge you, respond to that call on your life. Respond to it. Not just playing an instrument. Respond to the call that you know is on your life. And, and we're going to pray. We're going to release you here. I believe that how you leave something and how you enter something is important. Amen. And so I honor you. Thank you for your commitment, for your friendship, for your support, for your love, for your faithfulness. You are an incredible man of God. And, and as you go from here, it's not with sadness at all. It's with gladness and with joy that you've done it the right way. And, and to all those that are watching online, there is a way to do things. And this man is honorable in the way he's done it. He's laid it before people. He's spoken to leaders. He's done the right thing. And that is an amazing trait in somebody. Amen. So would you stand to your feet? I want us to, um, to pray for him. And then we're going to launch you into your future, right? Amen. Mm. On God, not Ali. Yes. <laughs> Don't mm with me as well. <laughs> Amen. Father, we want to lift up Josh to you and Ali, an incredible relationship, a great man, a great woman. And Lord, you've spoken to them and it's time for them to spend more time together, focused on you, but really watching each other in church. And God, we just pray that as he leaves here, it's... Uh, with future in mind, with blessing that he steps into. Um, God, in the way that he's blessed us, I pray for increase in his life. Amen. From strength to strength. Give him all that's on his heart. Give him everything that's from you. We pray a supernatural blessing on him. We release him now to the future that you have for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, can we put our hands together and cheer him on as he goes? You're awesome. Thank you, my man. God bless you. You're a great man. And then, uh, so I'm going to get Heinrich up quickly, and then you're out of here. Uh, do you want to come share with them what's happening on t tomorrow? Hold on a sec. Take 10 seconds for Heinrich. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, did you know that God has a schedule that he keeps every year, year after year? It's written down in Leviticus 23, where he says, uh, where he lists all his festivals. So he's got a specific, it says that, these are my appointed festivals. Proclaim that to all the people. These are my festivals. So there's three things that stands out in that verse. Is the first one is, um, they are my appointed times. Like the Hebrew word there is um, um, moadim. Moad, moad is the singular. So moad means to set an appointment. So when your boss makes an appointment with you, it's important, right? But what, when God makes an appointment with you, it's like super important. So then he says, proclaim these to all the people. So that's what I'm doing tonight. Uh, and then he says, these are my festivals. Not they are Jewish festivals or they Chinese festivals. They are my festivals, says the Lord. And so to, tonight is the start of... A new festival. It is the, the festival of trumpets, Yom Teruah. The Jews also call it um, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. 
So uh, then they, they wish everybody a happy new year, like Shana Tova, they say to each other. But then another interesting thing is 10 days after, so tomorrow, the, the Jewish day starts at, at sunset. So with sunset, uh, Yom Teruah starts tonight. Tomorrow is the whole festival of trumpets. Then 10 days later is, is Yom Kippur, the day of judgment, of day of atonement. So in between those two days, there's 10 days, and everyone then spent time preparing themselves for what's to come. Now, the reason why we have to proclaim these festivals are that they are teaching us about things. They are teaching us about um, what... What is to come? They're prophetic. They also teach us about the salvation plan of God. They're prophetic about the Messiah. Every single festival is prophetic about Messiah. So Yom Teruah, when the trumpets blow, it's prophetic about the comes of Messiah. Right? So we're getting ready. We're sort of rehearsing for his coming. That's what the whole festival is about. Every year we rehearse for his coming and the, and the anticipation is there. And then... In those 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur, we are preparing ourselves spiritually so we can't stand before the judge of all judges with sin in our heart. So we have to get rid of those. So there's a little ceremony that we're going to do tomorrow. It's called Tashlich. Now that word, the Hebrew word, comes from Micah 7 verse 19, which says that God says that I will take your sin and cast it into the ocean. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the ocean. We're going to take bread. We're going to put our sin on this bread and just throw it in the ocean. And it's a ceremony of repentance. It's a ceremony of, of uh, confessing it to God and just getting rid of it and trusting God that he will throw it in the deep ocean. And that's it. Um, so tomorrow is 5 o'clock, all right? 5 o'clock at the Rockingham Foreshore uh, at the jetty. Uh, those who, of, you, of you who are free, please join us, and uh, we'll get together. No, at the foreshore. Yeah, yeah. P.M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't come in the morning. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Can I blow blow the shofar to um, just to say that. Uh, the, the day is starting. <laughs>
Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.